Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. Good to be with you. Always, always, always it is. I pray that you're doing well and you know and growing in your faith. Um, The more we grow, the closer we get to God, the more we see our imperfections and our failings and all of that. It doesn't mean we're getting worse. It doesn't mean we're going backward. It means that God is, the closer we get to God, the light is shining on us. And I said the other day, when you put a light, if there's, I can't stand the word, forgive me, roaches in the house, and you put the light on, they scatter because they can't stand to be exposed to the light. And so God shines his light on us. And we see more than we've seen before now, perhaps because of our desire to love him and please him and walk with him. What is um, disordered in us? What is off? Things we want to change. They may not even be sin. But we want to grow in holiness and in love and and in the, the knowledge of the faith. So the more we love, the more we grow, step by step, little by little, uh, the more we're going to see those things. But every time God shows us something uh, off with us, awry with us, whether it's through our own conscience, uh, by his grace, whether it's through another person, whatever it is, um, I personally, I, I don't, I do not get offended because uh, if it's of God, it's a gift. If it's not of God, then you let it go. It has no bearing at all. But if it's of God, then it's a gift because God does not show us what he does not wish us to change. And for years, I asked God to let me see all my sins. I I don't dare to ask him that now because I know I couldn't take it. I, everything that's wrong with me, I couldn't handle it. So every time uh, I find out something that's wrong with me, something that I have to change, something I have to grow in, I thought I was fine, but offends others. Well, I used to say tough on them. I don't say that anymore. Um, I'm responsible. And so I take it as a gift. I take it as a gift of God's love and hope for what he has just shown me he He wants to do in me. And I, I just... Um, um, I think it's great. There's a line in Isaiah, <clears throat> um, I forget exactly which cha- which chapter in Isaiah, but it's um, it's we learn little by little, line upon line. And um, I heard a little uh, that put to music once. <clears throat> I, I I I don't have a singing voice, but I'll I don't know how to. If I guess I could. Little by little, he's changing me. Line upon line, he's changing me. As I am yielded, he's setting me free. Jesus is changing me. Isn't that, you could sing that to children. You could sing that to anybody of any age. It's exactly what he does. Line upon line, little by little, he changes us. And the more we're yielded, 
he sets us free from those things. And he goes on to the next thing, but he usually gives us a little respite in the in between. Um, and today, I, I, I warned you yesterday that I was going to read of my favorite writing, this one little page from the spirit of St. Francis de Sales that is my favorite. It, I just couldn't believe it when I read it. And again, this is a book, The Spirit of St. Francis, that is put together um, by uh, Bishop Jean Camus, C-A-M-U-S, who was discipled by Bishop St. Francis de Sales. So he asked him all kinds of questions, and he wrote this book based on the questions he asked St. Francis and St. Francis' answers to him. So he says, in today's reading, uh, which subtitle is, The Best Way to Perfection is Hardy Love of God. That's the title. And Bishop Camus says, I asked the Bishop of Geneva, that's St. Francis de Sales, what one must do to attain perfection. And St. Francis de Sales says, you must love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. And Bishop Camus said to St. Francis, I did not ask where imperfection lies, but how to attain it, how to attain perfection. And again, Bishop de Sales answered, charity, that is both means and end, the only way by which we can teach that perfection, which is in our truth, after all, but charity itself. St. Paul says, I will show you a more excellent way. And then he enlarges more fully upon charity. It is the life of all that is good. Without charity, all graces die. It is the only way to God, the only truth, the only life of the soul. For it brings us forth from the death of sin into the life of grace. It kindles faith and hope. Just as the soul is the life of the body, so charity is the life of the soul. End quote from St. Francis de Sales. And St. Bishop Camus was getting a little frustrated at this point. He says to St. Francis, I know all that, but I want to know how one is to love God with all one's heart and one's neighbor as oneself. How? But again, St. Francis answered, we must love God with all our hearts and our neighbor as ourselves. And Bishop Camus said in frustration, I am no further than I was. Tell me how to acquire such love. I tell you, beloved, I'm with Bishop Camus. He keeps saying, how do I get love? And St. Francis says, you love. Yeah, I know, but how? And Francis says again, you love. Come on, I'm asking you how. And so Bishop St. Francis um, says this. The best way The shortest and easy, I'm telling you, beloved, this is the best paragraph I've ever read in my entire life. I'm not sure, but I think so. He says this, the best way, the shortest and easiest way of loving God with all one's heart is to love him wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, 
and heartily. And again, I'm reading this. I'm getting more frustrated than Bishop Camus. Yes, right, right, right. But how do I do the best way to love God is to love him with all your heart. How do you do that? I'm, I tell you what, my frustration level was high. And he would give, Bishop Camus says, he would give no other answer. And at last, however, the bishop said this. Listen. There are many besides you who want me to tell them of methods and systems and secret ways of becoming perfect. And I can only tell them that the sole secret is a hearty love of God. And the only way of attaining that love is by loving. You learn to speak by speaking, to study by studying, to run by running, to work by working. And just so, you learn to love God and man by loving. All those who think to learn in any other way deceive themselves. Isn't that an amazing, the simplest thought in the world? The easiest thing in the world to understand? And yet, we hardly touch it. I can't love that person. They've done this, or they're like this, or I can't love that. They, they this, they this, they that. Are we going to love them because they change? Are we going to love them because we're going to wait another 20 years till we gain virtue? We learn to love by loving. Well, but how, how, how? Well, how do you learn to write? I could tell you how to write, but you're never going to learn, St. Francis says. You have to put the pen in your hand, and you have to write. It's the only way to learn how to write. I remember the movie of um, St. Teresa of Calcutta with, um, which one was it? Um, There was two of them. Uh, There's a Hallmark-produced one, and there's the newer one that's been in the theaters with Olivia Hussey, I believe. They're both excellent. They're different, but they're very good. And I forget which one. In one of them, um, I think it's the first one, Hallmark, with the Geraldine Chaplin. She's the daughter of Charlie Chaplin. It's really my favorite of the two, but they're both excellent. And she goes into the poor area of India, and none of the children can read and write. She brings her lunch each day, and they grab it from her because they're starving. And so she has nothing left, and, and she uh, says to the children, you want to you hear a story? And they say yes. So they all gather around. They sit down on the ground, which is just sand, and she sits on a little rock, and she reads them a story, and they love it, or she tells them a story, and they love it. And then she said, um, you want another story? And they said, yes. And she said, well, you tell me one. Uh, well, we don't know any. Well, you could read one. And they say, but we don't know how to read. Ah, so she says, okay. And she writes with a long wooden stick. She writes in the sand a K. And she said, this is K. And you pronounce it K, K, K. And they did that after her. And then I, E, pronounced I, uh, but it's kind of pronounced E. And then she wrote an N, N, and they repeated it in a G, G. And then she went to each letter, King. And they followed her. And she said, you've just read your first word and applauded. And they all shouted, yay. Such a beautiful scene. Nothing is impossible. Little by little. 
and they learn to read by beginning to read. It's a beautiful thing, and we learn to love by loving. And I tell you what, I tried this after I read this some years ago. You see, the whole book's torn apart. I've read it so many times. And I remembered in a particular frustrating situation that I there was no way love was going to come out of me. I was going to try to be nice and polite and all of that, but it wasn't love. And when you speak to people and you're controlled, and oh, they know it, they know it. And so I thought of this passage by St. Francis de Sales, you learn to love by loving. How do you love? You learn to love by loving. On the spot, I said, I'm simply going to love. I don't care about my feelings. I don't care about my feelings. Love is not dependent on feelings. It's dependent on your giving love. God so loved the world that he gave. Love is a verb. It's what you do. And so on the spot, I just loved. I just changed on the moment, and I loved that soul. And they were changed, and I was changed by it. It's it's magic. It's God's magic. Um, St. Francis continues, he says, If you want to love God, go on loving him more and more. Never look back. Press forward continually. Um, oh, dear. I know. I can't finish this. Isn't this terrible? I need someone to put the pages I need to put the pages of my book together because I lost the next page. It's somewhere in this pile. So I will sort this book out and I'll finish this paragraph tomorrow. This is an awful place to start with you. But this is most of it. We're almost at the end. Uh, St. Francis de Sales entries in this book are, I say, mostly no more than a page. So we'll we'll stop at that. But it's kind of enough of a bite uh, today that we learn to love by loving. It's so beautiful, we say, but I can't stand that person. You don't have to. God died for us while we were yet in our sins. He didn't wait till we got our act together. Oh, but you know what they've done to me? No, I don't. But you know what we've done to God? We hardly know what we've done to God. We know we nailed him to the cross. We know we put him to death. And what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. They know what they did. They put the nails in him. We know what we did. But we were blind, he said. We were blind. St. Paul said, um, if we knew who it was that we put to death, we would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So we were blind. The only thing that heals, the only thing that reverses is love. Not even the truth can do that. It can set us free, but we cannot necessarily heal relationships by how we see the truth. We can only heal them with love. It's the only hope the world has. It's the only hope we have uh, for restored relationships, for healed wounds, and all of that. I I didn't say it was easy, but that's the path. And nothing is stopping us from loving but ourselves. Ourselves. But they don't deserve love. They deserve to die. Right, 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 right. And so do we. We deserve to die. We don't deserve God's love. The wages of sin is death. We deserve to die. But God loved us from the beginning, and he'll love us to the end. And it's the only motive we have for loving others. Well, beloved, um, 
because, as I said yesterday and Monday, we were not able to take emails for several days last week. We have quite a lot of emails. And so I'm going to uh, begin to get to them now rather than waiting for the break. And maybe we can get through some more of them because I know you've been waiting. And so to begin with, we have an email from Amy, and she says, Hi, Mother Miriam. Uh, and again, you're welcome to call in at any time. <clears throat> Toll free or text one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. I began this email from Amy last night and then the music, the ending music came for the program and we couldn't go through it. So I'll read it now. Uh, Amy says, hold on one moment. She says, God bless you. I'm so grateful for your program. She says, I have a question. Should we always genuflect when entering and leaving a pew at church? And I began to enter this yesterday, answer this yesterday <clears throat> by saying the issue isn't entering or leaving a pew. The issue is we genuflect to God. That's why we're genuflecting. We're not genuflecting because we're entering or leaving a pew. We're not genuflecting um, because we're in church, but because, because we're before God. And so, as we enter the pew, if the um, tabernacle is in the sanctuary, then we genuflect, yes. Uh, when we, before we sit, we genuflect to him out of respect and honor and adoration, and we genuflect... Um, uh, as we leave the church. You know, what we do as sisters, if the tabernacle is there, I genuflect the minute I come in the door. I don't even wait to get to a pew. Then I genuflect again before uh, before I sit as I'm entering the pew. Same thing on leaving. I genuflect if the tabernacle is there. And then I walk all the way to the back of the church to leave and genuflect before I leave to acknowledge him because he's there. If the tabernacle is not there. If our Lord is not in the church, then you don't genuflect. You bow to the altar. If he's in a side chapel, visible from where you're sitting, then you can turn to the side chapel and genuflect. But you're only genuflecting to God. Now, I'll continue this email. Many local churches, Amy says, in my area, which is Los Angeles, do not have the tabernacle in the main church. It is often a side chapel, or somewhere else, not behind the altar, and not in view. Well, again, if it's not in view, you're not genuflecting, but you need to bow to the altar. And Amy says, I do not see others genuflecting or bowing and wondering if I, if we should. Again, if the tabernacle is not in view, then you don't genuflect, because you're genuflecting only to God. Um if the tabernacle's in view, even in a side vac- uh, chapel, then you turn to the tabernacle and you genuflect only to the tabernacle. And again, if the tabernacle is out of sight, then you bow 90 degrees, a profound bow, to the altar. Um, and so um, uh, maybe you can help others. Uh, you either genuflect or bow. You genuflect to our Lord, you bow to the altar. Um, Amy says, thank you for all you do and all you teach us. God bless you. Well, God bless you, Amy. We have a, an email from Natalie. Hold on. 
We have an email from Natalie. She writes, Dear Mother, I am a new listener to your show, and I admire how confidently you speak the truth. Your talks on modesty have been very helpful. Recently, I have faced difficulties regarding this subject. I am 20 years old and have experienced a reversion to the faith in the traditional rite. Well, Natalie, blessed, blessed, blessed be God. Natalie says, I started wearing long skirts, good for you, to match the calling I felt to modesty. However, my mother and other family members have become very concerned about this change, along with my refusal to go to the pool. I recently refused to go on a family trip to the beach because I did not want to place myself in an imprudent situation. My mother is very upset and cannot understand my reasoning. Do you have any advice? God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Yes, dear Natalie, God bless you, dear one. God is doing a wonderful work in you, and don't you ever back down from where he's bringing you. Um, if you if you continue steadfast in the direction God is taking you, perhaps God through you will begin to convert your own mother and family. But you just say, Mom, you've taught us to love and follow God, and that's what I'm doing. I'm actually not doing my own thing. I'm not part of a cult. I'm following the church's teaching on modesty. And you know, before you speak with her, there are books on modesty. You could go to the website and just say church's teaching on modesty, and you'll get quotes. I wish I had your... um, Hold on. No, I'm looking. I don't have it on hand. If I had the little book on modesty on hand, I would many quotes from good popes on modesty. You can type in the Internet quotes from the popes on modesty. You'll get beautiful things. Or churches teaching on modesty. You will get beautiful things. And mostly, Natalie, they're going to refer to your dress, that it, long skirts and Sleeves to the elbows at least, and nothing lower than two inches from the neck, nothing tight, nothing sleeveless, nothing immodest, skirts, mid-calf, all of that. Um, but modesty, as I began to say last week, goes way beyond dress, and it, it's not just for women. It's deportment, it's speech, it's it's everything. So men coming to church in, in, in shorts, even knee-high shorts with their bare legs out and a a little T-shirt or whatever it is, is tremendously immodest and inconsiderate of the people around them. And so um, uh, you're doing well. And you can say to your mother, Mom, God has deepened my faith, and I don't want to expose my body. I want to keep exposing my body for my marriage and for the marriage night and not before then. Um, and I, I don't want to put myself in that position. And so I ask that you excuse me. If I go to the beach, I'm going to go and my body, I'm going to have something over my body. That's I'm not going to wear a bikini. You know, I'm going to have something over my body. That's what I wish to do. Um, now, again, if you wish to go to the beach in a, a full, maybe one-piece, modest, bathing suit. I won't tell you not to do that. I personally won't do that. I used to do it. I used to wear a bikini before I was even Christian. Believe it. Yes, I did. I won't even wear a one-piece bathing suit now. I just don't. 
I can't see Our Lady in it. If if I can't see Mary doing something, I'm not going to do it. Does that mean that they couldn't have fun? Yes, but they would bathe privately, their private pools, private lakes, and people would be on the lookout, you know, to make sure that they were kept in a modest position. Um, and just explain that to your mom. Say, Mom, nothing's wrong with me. I don't have a fever. I'm not going off the deep edge. I'm actually just uh, want to grow in love for God and holiness. Now, you're 20, you're over 18, and you must make your own decision. If your mom says, no, I'm not happy with that, you need to obey your parents. I don't think she's going to say that. Um, You need to respect what I'm saying and say, Mom, uh, I know I need to respect and obey you, but in everything but sin. Now, for me, it will be sin, to go to the beach in a bathing suit because to me immodesty is a point of um, uh, tempting others and and even leading others to sin even by what they think. I don't want to do that, Mom. That that would border on sin and and I, 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 I cannot do that. So I ask you to excuse me. Um, I'm sorry that it offends you, but you need to let me live my life. All right, I just say it lovingly. Get a little book, get a little article on modesty and on the Pope's quotes. And, um, and, and if she says to you, is this only for you? Well, if it's true, then it would be for me too. And you could say, Mom, it is for you. I believe it's for every woman. Very calmly, very lovingly. And let the Holy Spirit... Uh, deal with your mom on that. Natalie, dear one, there's the music for our first break. And so we'll be right back. Call in with anything on your heart, anyone. Our lines are wide open. one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. At iCatholic Radio, we're blessed to bring you the good news of Jesus Christ through the latest of technology. But don't rely on just one of your mobile devices for listening to iCatholic Radio. Download our free app to all of your Android and Apple mobile devices, ensuring you never miss a show. That's iCatholic Radio. Great Catholic programming available for download through the Google Play and iTunes stores. Users of iCatholic Radio are raving about our app in the iTunes and Google Play stores. One user says, It's exactly what I was looking for since having a closer walk with my Lord and my God. Great app for the living Catholic. Praise God. Nancy says, This is the best app. I have become a regular listener to it. I use it every day. I also play it all night long while we sleep. Get this app and use it. It will change your life for the better. Another user recommends iCatholic Radio, saying, So sweet a sound. This has allowed me to listen to Catholic Radio when I travel. What an awesome learning tool. Thank you. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, what are you waiting for? Visit your iTunes or Google Play store today. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. James the Greater. O glorious St. James, because of your fervor and generosity, Jesus chose you to witness his glory on the mount and his agony in the garden. 
Obtain for us strength and consolation in the unending struggles of this life. Help us to follow Christ constantly and generously, to be victors over all our difficulties, and to receive the crown of glory in heaven. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. This is Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. We have a whole half hour to ourselves for you to call in or text or email, and I'd be delighted to take your calls at any time, one 5483 Text at that number or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We're going to go to an email from Elena, who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I grew up never experiencing the Latin Mass. The Novus Ordo Mass is all I've assisted at and played Mass music for. Um, Pre-Vatican II, uh, uh, during, uh, before Vatican II, was there youth ministry or youth groups for the youth to go to either after Mass or on a weekday? I've been involved in youth ministry and I've thought of the last 42 years, almost, I've, I've thought of the last 42 years about the fruits of this ministry, I've seen the majority leave the Catholic faith, maybe due to lack of catechesis. What do you think of youth, youth ministry in the Catholic Church? If you do not reply on air, reply personally, but, and I only reply on, on air, beloved. Um, uh, once in a while, if something is very, very personal and you really do not want it on air, say right up there in the subject line when you emailed at the Station of the Cross, um, right up in the subject line, not for the air, so that I can respect that. And she signs it, thank you so much, in Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Well, Elena, I can't tell you what went on pre-Vatican II as far as youth ministry I've never looked that up myself, and I wasn't in the church then. Um, however, uh, it's an interesting thing to say that the fruits of 42 years of youth ministry in the Novus Order, you've seen ma- the majority leave the Catholic faith, maybe due to lack of catechesis. I don't think there's any question that it's due to lack of catechesis. And if you say that you, it's had youth ministry but no catechesis. What is youth ministry for if not catechesis? It's to learn your faith and to apply it by living it out. That's what it's for. It's not just for music and camping trips and uh, Friday night pizzas and all that. It, it's to learn your faith and live it out. So um, the Latin Mass does not have uh, the same sort of... Uh, uh, the Latin Mass churches do not handle things the same way because um, the focus is the Mass and Christ. And there's no guitar music. There's n- n- many things are no shaking hands. Nothing of that. Um, no greeters. Nothing like that. 
the focus is Christ. It's a holy, the most holy moment in the church. The most holy prayer in the church is the Mass. Now, I go to a Latin Mass parish, and on Sundays there are announcements prior to the homily, and uh, there's a women's group uh, there's a, that led by the pastor, um, and he gives a message every Wednesday night to the women, and they have a little dinner together, and they have a holy hour, and the pastor's homily for them, for mothers, for wives, and then they have a dinner or refreshments after that every Wednesday. The men's group has started up as well, and again, it's led by the church. The pastor is going to speak with them, and they're going to pray, and they're going to have a holy hour, and they're going to live their faith and learn how to be men, uh, to live their vocation in the home. Um, uh, the youth will get together a day, perhaps, and go to spend a work day. Clear Creek Monastery is only an hour from us, and they'll go spend a work day uh, helping build, helping clean, doing work, and then again have a holy hour in Mass and and have some lunch together. It's all very reverent, very profitable, and always the faith is taught. Always the faith is taught. And so, uh, yes, um, uh, that happens. Um, in in I would say before Vatican II, one of the books that helped me into the church, probably more than any other, was The Spirit of Catholicism, written by Carl Adam. And it was a book written uh, about Catholicism before the Reformation. I think it's about 13th century, when the world was Catholic. America wasn't on the map yet that we knew of, and it, it was the world was Catholic. And um, everyone stopped at noon with the bells to pray the Angelus, whether they were in the fields working or at home or work or wherever they were in the market, they stopped with the bells and they prayed the Angelus and they went on their knees at the word became flesh. And Sundays, did they have family activities and everything all week? Yes. Yes. Was it apart from their faith? No, they were Catholic. So did they have barn dances and, and all kinds of fun together? Of course they did, within the scope of who they were as Catholics. Would a woman come to a barn dance with a strapless dress? They wouldn't let her in. Would she come with a short skirt? They wouldn't let her in. Or they'd usher her out. Or they'd help her to get clothes. No, they always lived their faith. It's who they were. It was their identity. And on Sunday, they didn't go to church for fellowship. They didn't go for youth groups. They didn't go for all kinds of activities. On Sunday, the church, which is the body of Christ, went to church to worship Christ. There was no other reason for going to church than to worship Christ. All week long, we live our faith and had lots of fun and groups, youth groups, uh, meals together, picnics, and no matter what it was. But on Sunday, the church went to church to worship Christ. Not to see each other. To see each other all week. But to worship. And that's the way it should be. And that's the way it is at the Latin Mass churches. Is there fellowship, of course. Coffee and donuts after Mass. Yes. And we love seeing each other because now we're spread out all over the place. Some people drive two hours to get to the parish. And so, yes, there's a wonderful time of fellowship and getting together and um coffee and such after Mass. It's a very beautiful thing. 
Um, I hope that helps you in, in, in some way. But you're right. It's the lack of catechesis that has uh, pretty much destroyed the church because uh, pastors don't know their faith or they don't live it. Bishops, either in many cases, not all, heavens thank God for the faithful bishops and faithful priests, but so many of them, either they don't know the faith, which is a deep, deep mystery, or they no longer believe it because they no longer live it and no longer teach it. Three, I saw it looking into the church, three generations lost to the faith. Catholics do not know their faith. They don't know who they are. And it's a tragic thing. And the only solution, beloved, is not to depend on the priests or the bishops or anyone. We must learn our faith, and we have all the tools to do it. Okay, beloved, there's our um, our uh, music for our second and very short break. Uh, Cindy from Kansas, I see you're on the line, dear one. We'll take your call as soon as we come back from the break. And anyone else, you're welcome to call in one 877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com St. Francis of Assisi said, All the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. Displaying a bumper magnet for Catholic Radio on your car may seem like such a small act of evangelization, but it truly changes lives. Request your free Catholic Radio bumper magnets today. Visit thestationofthecross.com and click the Promote tab at the top of our website. That's thestationofthecross.com. Then click the Promote tab. Thank you for supporting Catholic Radio and helping to spread the gospel message to everyone else on the road. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. 
to Mother Miriam Live, and I am she, and we have a good 15-plus minutes together, so feel free to call it with anything on your heart. We have Cindy from Kansas on the line. Are you there, dear one? I am, Mother. Thank uh, you for your ministry. Thank you, Cindy. Thanks for holding on, dear. <clears throat> Go ahead. I have a question regarding spiritual direction. Yes. Um, I have been seeking to go deeper and wanting a spiritual director, but I haven't been able to find anyone that I felt comfortable with. But I recently went to confession, and there happens to be a priest visiting from another country who's looking to raise money for his ministry. And he seemed to be a very, I went to confession, and he seemed to be a wonderful Orthodox priest. And we talked some, and he he said that he would be very happy to be my spiritual director and actually felt like it was meant to be that I came that day. And he actually um, suggested we connect on Facebook Messenger so that when he goes back, we could communicate. And he wanted, he thought, if I want to get together with him some while he's here, um, that we could do that. My question is, after the fact, um, I've received like two messages from him on, on Facebook Messenger reaching out to check on me. And... I don't know why that sort of sent an alarm off inside of me, mm-hmm. because I feel like it would be my, it, and I've hesitated to connect because I, I had thoughts of, well, is he just trying to make connections from raising money, or why? Do you understand my concern? Cindy, I do. Let it go. Just let it go. Just, Number one, okay. you don't need Facebook Messenger spiritual direction. That's, That's I, would, what I, I think. completely stay away from that. Um, okay. You you told him that you wanted a spiritual director, right? That's why he responded. Probably yes. Yeah, I okay. did. I did. Yeah, I just want to make sure of that that he didn't volunteer without your telling him you wanted a spiritual director. I would just say to him if you see him again. You've not responded on Facebook Messenger to him? No. Do well, not. I did once. I did the first time, and I just I just talked about the weather <laughs> because it's been very hot here, and I did not. Well, did if he not continues to, to contact you, if he continues to contact you, uh, I would stay away from Facebook Messenger, and um, uh and and if you feel that you just want to make it very clear, respond to him once and say, Dear Father, thank you for your offer and your willingness to assist me, but I would rather have a priest that I could meet with in person uh, f- over a time here in the United States. Um, that's that's uh, a good advice. And yeah. again, I thank you so much. God bless your mission and all of that. And, and sign your name and let it go. Let it go. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I, I appreciate that. Yes. Um, you know what I what I did in finding a spiritual director, Cindy? I, maybe it'll help somewhat. But I, um, because you say you've been searching for one, um, my suggestion would be that 
if you have, I'll just tell you what I did. This is not a should or necessarily a way. It was my way. I had a particular um, serious issue. It had had. I was newer in my um, my uh, walk as a Catholic, uh-huh. and I had issues with Mary. I could have taught Mary about her from Scripture. I understood. I was Catholic. I believed it. But the whole idea of a really relationship with Mary and all of that, I, I was skeptical of it, I, and I didn't have the heart for it. It was amazing. And so I thought, I, I have to deal with this. I'm Catholic, you know, and I, I want to understand. <laughs> I want to understand. So I picked out three priests, very holy priests, and they were, one was a half hour away, one was an hour away. It didn't matter to me. I made an appointment with the three of them, and I didn't tell that to each one that I made other. I just, on this one issue, I made an appointment. Now, they're all three very holy priests. They all gave Uh me good answers, all holy. I didn't speak about spiritual direction to any of them, just this issue. With two of them, I came out focused on myself and this whole issue. With one of them, my heart was halfway to heaven and the saints. And that's what I need. That's freedom. Uh, Not to focus on me, but to begin to understand. And he actually recommended a book for me on Mary. I'll tell you all what it is in case anyone else is struggling. It's The Mother of the Savior by um, Father Reginald uh, Garagula Grange, The Mother of the Savior. It's magnificent. I read that book. And I said, what's my problem? We have no, us, us finite beings, we have no idea what God has done with Mary. It's way beyond what any of us know, you know. So I, and then I went to him on two other issues over uh, maybe six months. And then I asked him finally, I said, Father, would you be able to be my spiritual director? And because he's a religious, he had to ask his superior and get permission, which he did. Absolutely holy, wonderful man who uh, uh, I could tell you so many wonderful things. But so I suggest that don't just go straight to a priest and ask him to be your spiritual director. Take an issue that you that you have. Uh, It could be simply how to grow more deeply in Christ. It could be a number of things. Um, Prayer, how to choose a vocation could be anything. And. if you think he's the priest, you don't have to take it to more than one priest, but if you think he's the priest, you'd like to be a spiritual director, just go and ask him if he would meet with you one time for counseling on this issue. And then a couple of months later, say, Father, thank you for what you helped me with last time. Can we set another appointment whenever you might have time? I just have one other thing to ask you and see how it goes. And because you want to entrust yourself to him, in good measure. You don't want to be afraid of what he says. And so do that. And when you feel comfortable and say, you know, um, this is a man that will challenge me to holiness uh, with a good holy character, and um, I would love him to be my director. And you pray to our lady and our Lord to see if they would want to bring that about. And then you ask the priest. That sounds like very wonderful advice. Good. And, and there's one book by Father, um, oh, I can't forget it. Father Dubay, Thomas Dubay, D-U-B-A-Y. Oh, yes, yes, I love and him. It's, uh, yes, and of course he's no longer alive, but he wrote a wonderful book called Spiritual Direction. If you haven't read it, 
it's outstanding on what to do until we get a spiritual director and how to choose a spiritual director. It's very good. Well, God bless you. That helps me a lot, actually. Thank you. God bless you. I'm glad you called in, Cindy. God bless you, dear one. Okay. Thank you so much, and bless your ministry, Mother. Thank you. Thanks, Cindy. We're going to go to an email now from Sylvia, who writes, uh, let's see now. She says, Hi, Mother Miriam. I pray that God continues to bless you and us with your show. Thank you, Sylvia. Last week on your show, on Thursday, July 18th, Toward the end of your show, you said to Madeline that there could only be two vocations, either religious life or married life. Um, My question is this, Mother Miriam, why can't single life be a vocation in your opinion? I'm a consecrated, chaste, single woman, totally devoted to Jesus through Mary After 25 years of discernment and visiting many religious orders and praying for my future spouse, I feel that God has closed those doors and has called me to a ministry of prayer as a single, chaste woman. God has also blessed me with many godchildren, so I am not alone. Please help me understand what you told Madeline. I'm always open to God's will. God bless you, Mother Miriam. God bless you, Sylvia. Um, You sound perfect, by the way. Um, The point of being religious or uh, married is in order that you are accountable because God has not, he said it's not good for man to be alone. And that is true. Uh, We can't be our own discerners, our own, and disciplinarians and all. We need to be accountable to someone. When a woman is married, she's accountable to her husband. Uh, if she's a religious, she's accountable to her superior. But if she's not in religious life and not married, what does she do? She does, it looks like what you've done. She becomes, uh, she lives a life of some form of consecration. Now, if you you say you're a consecrated a chaste single woman. If you're consecrated, then you've been consecrated to Christ as a single woman. This counts. This is good. Um, you're single uh, in that you're not married or religious, but you're consecrated, which means you've put yourself under authority. You've put yourself under supervision because if you're consecrated, you need to have uh, some form of superior. You need to have a rule of life and someone you answer to. That's 100% terrific. So I shouldn't have so, simply said religious. Some form of consecrated life is, is much better. Some form of consecrated life. Uh, many people are, are um, um, consecrated um, uh, virgins. Uh, and again, but they're consecrated through the bishop. And he is their superior. Some people are uh, consecrated widows. And again, they're consecrated through the bishop. And you can be consecrated. Uh, you could have a consecrated virginity or just be a consecrated, chaste, single woman, as you say you are. That's a wonderful thing. But to be consecrated is to be set apart. And again, we cannot be our own um, superiors or will fall. We need 
to be under some authority. And so a spiritual director is good, but a spiritual director is not uh, the same sort of authority, you see. Um, That's not the same sort of authority. The best would be to be under a bishop or to be under um, uh, uh, some priest who, um, or uh, consecrated religious, um, who can truly hold you accountable. That's what's best. That's what's best. A spiritual director would be going a little too far that way. Uh, He can suggest, he he can show you where you fail, he can tell you what you should be doing, but you need someone that, uh, the spiritual director is not going to give you penance for failing in some ways, but the religious superior will. And if you're married, your husband's not going to give you a penance, but, um, uh, but you will, I guess your confessor will, you know. So you need to be under some form of um, a consecration. Perhaps it could be a confessor. Spiritual directors can be confessors, but it's not always the case. So that's the best I can do. You sound uh, fine, Sylvia, in, in what you have. I would just want to um, urge you that if you don't have a supervisor, if there's not someone you check in with, even if it's quarterly, um, even if it's every six months, then you're... Uh, you're subject to your own weaknesses and failings, and you will live less of a life than God has called you to live. Okay. Um, let me see if I can take this next email, which looks a bit long. Let me try to read it. I haven't read it yet. Dear Mother Miriam, it's from Elizabeth. I had to write to you to express my regret over having held a negative opinion of you and your work on the radio Please bear with me. I promise this ends well. When you were first aired in our area, I had major issues accepting your messages. Your NFP discussions had my friend and I outraged, along with my husband. We rolled our eyes when we heard you dismiss others as not being Catholic and wondered at how you could be on the air. But all the while, a small voice in my head asked, Could she be right? Because deep down, something inside me knew that you are. Elizabeth, you are a courageous, brave, and wonderful woman. This is so wonderful. Um, And I wish I could read the end of your email, but I cannot read further right now. That's our closing music, dear one. I will begin with you tomorrow and read the entire email. And I thank you for your courage. Uh, in writing me today, and I'm I'm so glad that um, you you're not angry with me anymore. It's so good. I'm uh, not always right, that's for sure. God bless you, dear one, and all of you. We'll speak with you tomorrow. <laughs>